Trigger warning. Dear listeners, this episode of Unfiltered contains mentions of sexual violence. Listener discretion is advised. Hello and welcome to Unfiltered, a podcast by NVPC where we have unfiltered conversations with our guests and unpack stories from the philanthropic sector. I'm Madi. And I'm Grace. So Grace, what's good? I'm actually in this neighbourhood telegram chat mm. and recently someone asked for advice about whether they would recommend like private driving instructors or going to school. Uh-huh. And I thought it was such a cute example of the modern day kampong spirit on uh-huh. an app. Uh-huh. Like over Telegram. Yeah, so I just shared some advice about my own experiences. Like, do you even know these neighbours? Like, I'm actually very impressed that you know your neighbours because I literally do not. <laughs> I know some of them. So uh-huh. it was this in-person event where neighbours yeah. came together to meet each other for the first time. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, a Telegram chat was created for people to continue conversations and like, exchange resources or advice. Okay, so it's safe to say, haha. So it's safe to say that you feel safe, lah. Yeah. You know, in these spaces because you kind of met them before. Yeah. Right. And then speaking of safe, right? Feeling safe in a digital space. Why don't you introduce to the audience the topic for this week? So today's topic, we're talking about women-friendly safe spaces and the issue of technology-facilitated sexual violence. Cool. Let's go. Welcome, Kelly and Nisha, to today's episode. Hey guys, how are you? Hello, hello. <laughs> Kelly here is the Senior Communications Manager at AWARE. Anisha is the Co-President of Safe NUS. Cool. Thank you so much guys for being here with us, you know, for spending time this, you know, lovely afternoon with us. So Grace, first question kind of for you. Are you aware what AWARE stands for? Um... I don't really know what the acronym stands for. Okay, so AWARE, uh, Kelly, correct me if I'm wrong, right? So AWARE stands for the Association of Women for Action and Research. Correct. Is that right? Okay, cool. So Kelly, why don't you introduce to us exactly the kind of work that AWARE does and specifically within the space of uh, technology-facilitated sexual violence? Yeah. So AWARE is Singapore's leading gender equality organization. Mm -hmm. We do a lot of different work kind of all around the issue of gender equality, mm-hmm. feminism, women's rights. So that ranges from kind of research and advocacy work, yeah. which is my department, the Research, Advocacy and Communications Department, to supporting women through direct services, okay. um, such as counselling, befriending, legal clinic. In terms of technology facilitated sexual violence, that's an issue that has been kind of of growing concern in the past, mm-hmm. maybe like five to ten years, because we know that this is a growing type of violence, of mm. sexual violence. So So AWARE runs the Sexual Assault Care Centre. We've been running a version of that since 2011. Wow. And yeah, technology facilitated sexual violence. We do see a high number of cases every single year of of women and girls coming in and men and boys. It's not just women and girls Mm. to receive advice, emotional support from us, other kinds of support that we can offer. Wow, sounds great. And who else do we have here, Grace? So we have Nisha. Nisha, could you share with us a bit more about Safe NUS and some of your initiatives? So Safe NUS is actually the first student-led organisation in Singapore aimed at tackling sexual misconduct on campus and mm-hmm. we were actually incorporated in 2019 and like four of our friends came together to start this up after the Monica Bay incident and ever since then mm. we've been growing you know we do work surrounding memberships for welfare for members to partnerships collaborating with organisations like AWARE we also have support channels we have advocacy building we have research and literacy and we also have our own Safe Space podcast hint hint <laughs> so <laughs> what is it called what is it called Come, literally Safe Space 
Face podcast. Oh, really? Yes. Okay, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the kind of things that we do at Safe NUS, and ultimately we aim to raise awareness of sexual misconduct and mm-hmm. also to raise awareness that it can happen to anyone, anywhere, anytime, in any place, in uh-huh. any setting. And for that reason, we want to let everybody know that there is always options. There is always support avenues available for you. How do the two of you know each other? So actually, when Safe NUS started in 2019, I yeah. had attended one of their sexual assault first responders training that was conducted by Aware, mm. ah, and that was kind okay. of actually what prompted me to join Safe NUS later on in like 2020, wow, okay. 2021. Uh-huh. But in terms of like knowing Kelly, I actually knew her through TFSV cases as well. Ah, okay. So they were having the Hope in the Dark campaign, and she reached mm-hmm. out to me, and that was just how we started like interacting with each other a bit more often. Nisha, you just mentioned the acronym TFSV. Could you share with our listeners what that stands for? So TFSV is Technology Facilitated. Sexual violence, so it's kind of an umbrella term in terms of whatever happens online, from like exploitation mm. of uh, materials, things like voyeurism, things like online harassment, be it on dating apps, be it over text messages. Mm. So for me, at least, I know that technology facilitated sexual violence is a mouthful. Yeah. So whenever I explain it to my friends and peers, I usually just use the term online sexual violence. Ah, okay. Yeah. Oh, that's that's much easier. Yes. Right. Then what about like image-based sexual abuse? Is that part of technology facilitated sexual violence as well? Yeah, so image-based sexual abuse, sometimes you know, shortened to IBSA, acronym a lot, is also uh, is a very big subset of technology-facilitated sexual violence. Right. Um, actually, of the cases that we saw at Aware in 2021, which is the most recent set of statistics that I have, it actually made up 50% of all the technology-facilitated sexual violence cases. Wow, 50%. So, what makes up the other wow. 50%? So the other fifty percent. So maybe I'll talk about what exactly image-based sexual abuse is, yeah. right? So image-based sexual abuse involves any kind of non-consensual behavior involving new sexual or intimate images over digital technology. Mm. So there are many different kinds of image-based sexual abuse. One of them is the non-consensual. Creation or obtainment of images, so mm-hmm. that's a very kind of technical term for what is colloquially thought of as like voyeurism, right? But not just voyeurism, right? Also like deep fake technology, uh-huh. or even like hacking into somebody's uh-huh. uh, phone or computer to get their images. Mm. Number two would be the non-consensual distribution of said images. So if say person A sends person B a nude and it's meant to just be kept private by uh-huh. person B, but person B goes on to upload it onto a porn website or to a telegram. Share it with uh-huh. a Telegram group, or even just share it with three other people mm. that they know. That's non-consensual distribution. I have okay. a question. What about like unsolicited pics? Because yeah. I know a lot of girls get like, you know, hi, hello, pic. Yes. That is abuse. Yes, so that would be the third kind of major category, which is non-consensual viewing of mm. sexual images. So pics, but also not just pics. I think similarly, you know, sometimes we read reports of people who have been shown porn by, like, say, their coworkers. It happens quite often. So that's the kind of the third one. There are other kinds, like including sextortion, where if you have somehow gained access to somebody's yeah. images, you then use those images to blackmail, to mm. threaten them. Whether you're trying to get more sexual favors out of them. Or money, right? Or some other kind of benefit yeah. from them, yeah, sextortion. And then there are even other ones where I think of this one as the Xiaomi type of groups where <laughs> women and girls post kind of not even necessarily very sexualized images mm-hmm. of themselves. It can just be a, a nice picture of them, like, yeah. and they post it on Instagram. Yeah. And then sometimes there are people who take those photos off Instagram and then like share them in the Telegram chats. Or even like some of them, what they do is that they will take these pictures from Instagram and then uh-huh. like morph titties on them. 
Oh, oh that yes. is gross. Yeah. They would actually do that. Oh my God, and, that is so gross. It, and it would look so realistic and you would wonder you have all the time in the world to do that but not to actually put the dime into something productive. Yeah, so that's yeah. like kind of the deep fake stuff, right? Yes. But sometimes it really just is unmodified. Correct. And it's just oh, a really? picture of a so-called pretty girl. Sometimes it involves doxing as well, right? Because yes. uh-huh. sometimes her Instagram handle is there and like other things. Like her other details yeah, and all so that. In Inviting wow. people to kind of go to their social media accounts and like leer at them or, or, or whatever. I don't know what they do. Or in some cases, to just put like their handphone numbers there or their telegram handles there mm-hmm. and be like oh you can talk to her she's quote unquote easy wow yes. oh that is disgusting hearing this just makes oh me so God. mad yeah it makes me so angry like oh it gets worse <laughs> we'll go into that later on <laughs> yes we will yeah, but before that you know before we get into the deeper conversations I think let's just have a bit of fun first lah right so what are we getting into now Miss Grace so we have this fun segment called Not So PC with MVPC and today, Mother is going to ask you a few questions. So, this episode, we were doing it in celebration of International Women's Day, right? So, currently, right now, who is your favourite woman? I don't have a favourite woman, to be very honest, mm-hmm. because I feel that we stand on the shoulder of giants. Mm-hmm. So, for me, at least, I feel that all the women who have come together to create a safe space mm-hmm. are the women that I always look up to. So, mm-hmm. I've never seen that, oh, this woman is my role model. I yeah. say, these women are my role models. Ah, yeah. okay. It's like the Avengers Lovely. of... No, that reminds me of the scene, you know, the last scene where all the women Avengers, they were trying to, like, protect Peter Parker... Okay, clearly nobody has seen that scene because that was one of the scenes I thought was so amazing. Like, there was this whole bunch of them. Like, Peter Parker was trying to get across and it was just like women protecting. I was like, yeah. I've actually yeah. never really watched The Avengers. Okay, you know what? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> just made a reference. Okay, yeah. What about you, Kelly? Like, do you share the same views with Nisha or is there like one woman in mind that you admire at this point in time? Yeah, I feel like it's, it's hard for me to say anything now after Nisha said that. <laughs> that was a model answer. <laughs> it was a model answer. And I'll give another model answer, which is, you know, obviously all the Aware founders. Um, <laughs> if anybody hasn't listened to our podcast saga, you know, we go into a lot of detail about the founding of Aware and also, you know, mm. like the pretty amazing kind of achievements that they had over the 30 plus years of Aware. So yeah, I'm going to put on my communications manager hat and, and, <laughs> and say, you know, yeah, it. Aware founders. Oh, okay. Aww. What about you, Grace? <laughs> I'm not ready for wow, this. Wow, Grace. Seriously, you are. Okay, okay. My mom. I love my mom. I think mm. she is... She's very hospitable and friendly. I think just the way that she treats people uh-huh. and welcomes people is something that I admire. That's really, really sweet and kind of you, I think. You're, you're awesome. <laughs> yeah. For me right now, I think my current heroine will have to be Jacinda Ardern. Mm. I love how she handles like, misogynistic questions at every interview that she has. It's really so sad. Like, dude, this lady, right, has gotten out of pandemic like the best way possible. The way she handled the Christchurch shooting that was done with so much grace. Yet, you ask her questions like, you know, when is she going to get married? Like, come on, man. Yeah, and like the way she exited, it was just so chic. There's no other word to describe but it. it was just so chic. So much leadership quality. She's the she's boss. La. She's the boss. Yeah. Alright. And on the flip side, who is your favourite female supervillain? I thought you were going to say who's my favourite man. <laughs> 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 that one I also kind of... 
super villain? Oh god. I would say my favorite super villain would be also the women in Hindi dramas when they are like going all <laughs> out to like bash the whole family. I feel like oh I can't say that word, sorry. <laughs> screw patriarchy, you know. I'm a strong believer of screw patriarchy. And a lot of these women who are quote unquote badasses in these like shows, right, tend to be mm. those who go against the norms of patriarchy, mm. go against the norms mm. of what is it being the ideal and perfect True. woman. So I feel that for me, that's the quote-unquote villain. Uh-huh. Not because what they're doing is bad, but because what they're doing goes against the norms that everybody yeah. sets for no reason yeah. at all. It. Cool. What about you, Kelly? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm even just trying to think. Like, I, you know, I'm bridge. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and that's not my favorite, I wouldn't say. <laughs> Maleficent, yeah. yeah. So we just took a tiny water break um, and during this period of time, Kelly Googled some answers. So Kelly, what do you have for us? Yeah, I Googled uh, female villains and the two that I liked best from the list that I saw were A, the white witch from Nanya. Obsessed oh, with Nanya. Awesome. Okay. Nanya, awesome. huge Nanya, like freak as a child and like love the white witch character. Secondly, um, Regina George from Mean Girls. Yes. Of course. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Queen. Yes. Queen. And then just to like match my earlier answer, I will also just throw in uh, from the local point of view um, the women who took over Aware during the Aware saga <laughs> in 2009 if you want to know more go and listen to saga. 10 out of 10 would recommend it's a good podcast oh my god thanks Nisha oh my god props <laughs> to you <laughs> that was so good I'm like gagging <laughs> okay cool um, so shall we move on okay so let's start with Nisha then right in our earlier meetings and all that you've m- actually mentioned about going undercover within this illicit telegram group chat I just want to know, how did it all start? So for me, at least, I had mentioned I went for the sexual assault first responders training. And one thing that they emphasised a lot during the training was you always have to be a listening ear and a supporter to the victim survivor. You do not have to give them legal advice, psychological support. Just be there for them. Mm. And I did this like early 2021 and I was, you know, part of Safe Fair and everything. And suddenly, when I was on Twitter, right, I saw like a lot of women who were like complaining about these groups, you know, and some of them even had their Instagram pictures on this group. Mm. Yeah. So these are like normal, like very harmless, harmless. everyday kind of like... everyday kind of things you know so um I saw this girl like she was lamenting and talking about it and that kind of is what hit me because everybody was quote retweeting her tweet and were like oh you know F the perpetrator this and that and all that kind of stuff Uh they were slandering the perpetrator but nobody was actually asking hey girl are you doing okay do you need some support Mm -hmm. and I think that was what Mm -hmm. I felt that hey you know what I need to do that I mean yeah all of these girls they actually created a group together to talk about all this and everybody was you know really pissed off everybody was ranting everybody was talking about it but at that point in time there wasn't necessarily a call mm-hmm. to action yet mm-hmm. you know that was when a suggestion came about let's do a petition to raise awareness so you know obviously through that petition we cannot shut down the groups but we can raise awareness through it mm. yeah. so you know created the petition started circulating it around that was where awareness started to get built um, I had also lodged some reports on my end that these groups existed and was supporting victim survivors who wanted to report and a lot of people didn't even understand what was this whole space about. These were all these instances that led me to say, you know what, I need to like step up and do something because if I wait for the next person to step up, nobody is stepping up. Yeah. So that was kind of how I got involved in the space. And uh-huh. after which, once I entered these groups, right, and this point in time, I hadn't, my telegram was still very like public, it was my name, my picture and stuff yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. And when I entered this group, in that span of five minutes, I had at least like 20 men messaging me, hi, hello, 
HLO, you know, that what? kind of stuff. And I was just like, oh my god. I'm like, okay, really? this is weird. And then later on, I realized, oh, I didn't change my settings. So that was when I had um, changed my settings entirely. Mm. I had uh-huh. some random weird username with some random weird name. And obviously, I had to think in the perspective of a perpetrator. Okay. Yeah. Like, to be in that environment, you have to think like them and behave like yeah. them. So yeah. that's exactly what I did. So I came up with a random, obscure username <sighs> that was disgusting as hell to listen to mm. and hear. Which made it also very difficult when I was like talking to my friends. Oh, this is my Telegram handle. And just like, okay. <laughs> so you're going into these chats in order to find victim survivors to yeah. support yes. them. And to also find potential perpetrators. Oh, so wow. I was like in these groups. At that point in time when I just started, I just kept, you know, because at that point in time, it was still open. It wasn't so well known yet. Yeah. For that reason, you could easily enter these groups without having anybody to add you in. So okay. I just oh. I, I just entered as much as I could. So I think I was like in like 70, 80 groups at that point in Whoa. time. Okay, the fact that there's... Okay, honestly, I thought you were going to say like five, <laughs> right? <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't realise that there's like 70 yes. to 80 groups. That's like a shit ton of groups no, of perverts. Yes. Like, Maybe we should share what the groups do. Like what are the groups? Yeah. The things in these groups, like, it's a very huge range. Mm-hmm. So you can have people just sending random screenshots of women who post Instagram pictures or Twitter mm-hmm. pictures. You can have nudes of women, revenge porn videos, even children who are in, sent in these groups. What? Family pictures where the mother and daughters are cropped out or sisters are cropped out in their picture. You have men literally sending um, used lingerie of their mothers and sisters in the group. Ooh. Yeah, okay. so you're going to stop me there. Okay, I'm a bit grossed out. Yeah, yeah. so if, chances are if you name it, it's there. I mean, I have literally seen people complaining over the fact that child pornography is expensive. There what? was this person who was asking for like a five-year-old child pornography video and the guy was like, oh, I think it's about 20 ringgits. And he's no like, way. what the F? Why is so expensive? You know, and I'm just like, that's your concern that it's that expensive? Like, yeah. it doesn't bring a bell to you that maybe you shouldn't be sexualizing a five-year-old. You shouldn't be sexualizing yeah. anybody in general. It doesn't bring yeah. to you about that. And it's even like they sell like nudes and videos uh-huh. of women in packages. I literally stumbled upon a 21 GB worth of porn videos, Whoa. nudes and all of this of women. Of like, I think in that list, it was like I think 40 different women. You can buy in a package. So if let's say, for yeah. example, I want to buy two nudes and one video, I can get it at like $30. Yeah. So the thing is that like some of them are only fans, creators who publish ah, their okay. materials on it, which makes sense. That's the right audience for it. They're willing to yeah. pay. Yeah. They want to look at nudes. That's the right place for yeah. them. But you can assume that a lot of them are non-consensual because even if you think about it... You can just look by the nature of the picture, right? You can look by the nature and even if you think about it logically, which obviously Mm. some people are not going to use, (laughs) is that if I am sending it to my partner, it should be only between me and my partner. Unless Mm. I have told my partner, hey, go and circulate it to 20,000 people. I want 20,000 people to see me on bed. Then that's to each their own. But I don't think that's the case. It's pretty obvious it isn't. Actually, there's a very interesting point that you brought up. I think Kelly, in one of your studies, we read the press release regarding technology-facilitated sexual violence is that actually the highest percentage, right, is actually from partners. Mm. Yeah, the, the most common type of perpetrator. What are some of the other, like, biggest misconceptions or myths about this that the audience must know? I'm glad you brought that up as a myth, right? Because I, I think that many people, just generally when they think about sexual violence, not necessarily even technology-facilitated sexual violence, mm. but sexual violence in general, don't know that 
vast majority of perpetrators are people who are known to the mm-hmm. to the victim survivor, mm. right? I think we sometimes still have this wrong idea, misconception that sexual violence is like you're walking in a dark alley and then yes. a, um, a rapist in a ski mask jumps out from a corner, <laughs> you know, and assaults you. And not to say that that doesn't happen, but studies around the world have very, very consistently, and this number is consistent in our SACC statistics every single year, right? Eight in 10 of the cases where the survivor knows who the perpetrator is, Mm. eight in 10 of those cases, it is someone that was acquainted, that they were acquainted with, whether it is an intimate partner, you know, a husband, a boyfriend, a former boyfriend, or even, you know, a colleague, um, Mm. a friend, a neighbor, classmate. A teacher. I mean, that's very true. Even in terms of individuals that I've supported, a yeah. lot of them, they say that no, this was from their past relationships or like mm. somebody that they were intimate with for a while. So they knew who the perpetrator was. But the problem is that they could never prove it because they could just say that I never sent, I don't know how that happened. Maybe you were a whore. Mm. And then, you know, what do you say to that in that moment when you're already so flustered by everything? Yeah. So that's where support avenues are extremely yeah. important because that's where you tell them, hey, it's not your fault. Yeah. But these people actually like they just, just send like nudes of their partners, you know, mm, and just be really? like, oh, uh, rate my GF ten out of ten. <gasps> no. Rate my wife oh, rate my wife out of ten. Or no. like they would be taking the trains and like I remember like this one specific picture where they took a picture of this like woman in the train and it was the east west line. Mm-hmm. And you're just going to work, you're not even going to do anything. Just and living was, your life. Yeah, you're just living your life. And there was another picture that I saw that and I specifically remember this one because it was literally at a planted camera somewhere in a cafe in Tanjung Paga. Now no. you're just going to a cafe, you're no. gonna have a good time, and the next thing you know, somebody's taking a video of you peeing. Do you think it's also because, right, people have this misconception or thinking that, you know, online sexual violence is not as bad mm-hmm. as physical sexual That's violence. That is lesser. Yeah. Do you think that contributes to the problem? Yeah, definitely. I think there is a misconception that non-physical types of sexual violence are quote-unquote less serious. Mm-hmm. Whereas we know that that's not true, right? There is a very wide-ranging impact of technology-facilitated sexual violence mm. on a person. So many of them become depressed. Some of them even feel like, suicidal. Mm. Then beyond that, you know, the trauma, and, and I think this is more unique to technology-facilitated sexual violence, is that the trauma kind of repeats, right? Because mm. the problem with tech-facilitated sexual violence in many cases is that if you have your images uploaded, you know, whether to a porn site, whether to some other kind of mm. website or shared on Telegram, it is virtually impossible for you to know for sure that those images yes. have been taken down. Mm. Um, even if you try, even if you right. pay for services. And then you just get re-uploaded again, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly, right? Yeah. I mean, we know this about the internet. Once you put something out there, yeah, it's, there forever. It, it's, yeah. it's completely out of your control. Mm-hmm. And so for many survivors, they could be trying for years to take down all the images that, that have been uploaded of themselves. And every time they see it, or every time you get a notification that you know there's another one mm. it, you do tend to feel that trauma again you are re-traumatized again yeah. because you're reliving all the shame all the yeah. anxiety of, of it all of it, of knowing that people are looking at your images you know without your consent and then you know financially like I said there are these takedown services but they can be very expensive yes. oh really yeah so lawyers is one thing mm. but you can also engage companies to reach out to different platforms to request that they take down the images of you but it tends to be charged by the platform. Mm-hmm. So say there are 20 platforms and each one is like $100. Mm. 
which, yeah. which is the kind of the ballpark figure of what it it's is. It's almost That's like very a expensive. Amount. Yeah. Exactly. And then if you do want to, you know, press charges or something, yeah, then you engage a, a lawyer. That's expensive as well. These yeah. are all things that you did not ask for, right? You yeah. want, you did not have to, wanted to have to do any of this. We're just talking about financial costs, not mm. even like the time, you yeah. know, or the, and the emotional effort that it takes to do that. And then last, I think one important impact is that it actually forces many women and girls offline. We know that I think Twitter has twice as many male users um, mm-hmm. as female users. And that's likely because of the amount of harassment mm. that women receive on spaces like Twitter, right? Mm. And it's, you might think, okay, you know, who cares? You don't have a Twitter account. But for many women, professional women, you know, whether you're a politician or an artist or an academic or a writer or whatever, it's important for you to have a Twitter presence. It can be part of your professional yeah. you know, Friend life. Yeah. Exactly. And so if you're just constantly being faced with harassment every time you log in, you're probably not going to want to be on yeah. there. And then you're mm. losing out compared mm. to you know your male counterparts yeah. who have an entirely different experience on Correct. the platform than you. Yeah. yeah. How do we deal with this? Like, How do we eradicate this? I think it's impossible to eradicate it but I feel that it can be like a top-down and a bottom-up approach. Top-down can be things from like institutions, from the government but less of the fact that they're intervening in in the sense of like they're holding everybody accountable because you Mm -hmm. can't really find who is going to be accountable but rather in the education part of things. Mm -hmm. I mean, for all of us, we've gone for the sex ed and we know how amazing sex ed is in Singapore. So... (laughs) I would, and the thing is that it's also very problematic because you always tell like you tell yeah. girls you don't tell the boys you tell the girls yes. don't send your nudes you send your nudes what do you expect what do you think is going to happen mm. and when you teach them things like that you immediately make them think that it is wrong to do that and it also kind of like implies to the men I mean again I do not want to say that it's a men's issue or a woman's issue simply because it can happen to anyone yeah. but I'm talking more of like the disproportionate part of the cases mm. and I'm also talking about how it is viewed as from like different side of yeah. things so for the men they'll be like oh okay well she sent me her nude meaning I can use lah I mm. will use it that's exactly what somebody said when like my name came about in terms of the news say that oh she's ruining our joy of fapping Literally, that's what no. somebody said. Oh my god, that yeah. is so disgusting. So somebody was like, "Oh, wow. um, she she's taking away our chance and our enjoyment." And I'm just like, "There's so much of things for you to fab to. No. Is that what you really want to fab to? Like seriously, yeah." So these were the kind of comments that I also had stumbled upon, and I think that just it's because of the education, mm-hmm. because you keep telling them that these kind of things are wrong, and you don't tell them that if you really end up doing this. Mm-hmm know that there are support avenues available for you. Yeah. Know that there are things that you can do. I think just like building on the conversation, right? I mean, trying to flip mm-hmm. it around. What would you hope to see more education of towards like both women and men regarding these topics? Yeah. Like what would you hope to see change with education? So I was part of the Sunlight AFA, which was uh, tackling online harms against women and girls. And mm. I actually conducted a workshop on online harms and you know safety surrounding it. And in that, at least when I was running this workshop, these were people from like the ages of like 16 to 23. One thing that I realized was that basic definitions like consent, nobody could answer. And I'm just like, you're 16, 17. How can you not answer consent but be swiping on Tinder? Let's go on. So you need to teach perpetrators oh that it is not okay to disrespect yeah. someone. Mm. It is not okay to, you know, non-consensually yeah. do things. And you have to always respect boundaries. Yeah. So I always start whatever workshops mm. I conduct or whatever things I say, respect, consent and boundaries. You have to make sure that these three things are respected yeah. and then you go about doing what yeah. you want to do. And I think that has to be inculcated. And open conversations are super important. Like, yeah. we need to stop moving about the fact that, oh, it's a very taboo topic, a touchy topic. Yeah. We need to break away from that and say, these things do happen. And mm-hmm. if they happen, how do you grapple with it? And they are always very quick to say, don't do it. But they are never quick to say, if it happens, we are here for you. Yeah. And I think the second part should be heavily yeah. emphasized upon. Yeah, But is it also because, right, that technology 
always keeps evolving and improving, yeah. you know. That, uh, that kind mind, of like just technology is just a facilitator, right? Yeah. It's a platform. Mm, like, yeah, earlier I talked about yeah, this Telegram chat that I'm using to like share good resources yeah. in my neighbors. That's a good example of technology. But here we're just talking about how the involvement of technology is just making it easier in some senses mm-hmm. or ways for perpetrators to duplicate or replicate or yeah. scale, send yeah. mm. all this content to out. Scale, to scale it up. And I think that is cause for concern because of how rapidly technology advances mm. and how, as we're saying, you know, the scale of sexual violence is just magnified and amplified because of technology. But the technology itself is not causing the violence, right? In the way no. that alcohol does not cause violence. Mm-hmm. You know, mental illness does not cause violence. You know, most people who drink alcohol have mental illness, who are stressed about work and, and school. Those people are not committing sexual violence. These mm. things do not have a causal relationship, yes. right? And same with technology. I think technology is a tool. But if tomorrow, you know, all technology, all our digital and internet, you know, related technology disappeared, mm. I think we would be naive to think that all sexual violence would stop, yeah. right? Yeah. But that's obviously not true. It would just shift back again. Yeah. Yes, paper, exactly. It's so, just about yeah. channeling it. Yeah. yeah, so we, I think we tend to get very fixated on the medium, right? And like substances that perhaps maybe can like lower someone's inhibitions mm-hmm. to make them maybe do something that they might not have done if they were sober. But that desire to do that thing even if you can control it while you're sober, that's the root of the problem. Yeah. I don't have the desire. I don't, when I drink, I don't assault people because I, I do <laughs> not, I fundamentally do not want to do that ever, right? I have yeah. no need to do that. But obviously, if you are the kind of person for whom if you drink or, you know, you take drugs or you're stressed, that you then do that. It's mm-hmm. not that that's causing it. There's something fundamentally, you know, in you that has to change and you have to mm. unlearn these things. Yeah. So I do want to talk about comprehensive sexuality education, right? This is a very big part of the puzzle that, you know, for so many years in Singapore, we have just completely neglected, mm-hmm. right? We have um, sex education in schools, but for so long it has been abstinence-centered. And even before the technological advancement, that was already inadequate, right? Mm. We yeah. know that teenagers were having sex, right? Yeah. Abstinence was never, like, the most kind of relevant thing. But I think all the more so now with tech-facilitated sexual violence, with the extreme accessibility of pornography and all the kind of messages that porn can inadvertently teach to a young viewer. All these things are cause for us to even more urgently update the sexuality education syllabus in Singapore to cover things, as Nisha said, like consent, which is incredibly important. I think that anybody who doesn't understand why sharing somebody else's new in a Telegram chat is a form of violence, if they actually were taught what consent means and that consent has to be specific and informed, right? Then you will understand, oh, even if my girlfriend sends me a nude and she consented for me to have it, that's different from her consenting to everybody having it. Mm. So yeah. that this is an act that's not consensual. I think that's a very kind of, these are, you mm. know, once you understand consent, you can apply that matrix of criteria to all the actions that you do in your life. Yeah. Mm. But we don't teach people that. And so there's so much confusion. Mm. I mean, you know, you can say, yes, maybe even if people understood consent, they would still, they were knowingly violated. Yeah. But I do think that many people genuinely don't understand why what they're doing is violence. These kind of things need to be taught over time. I can't do a workshop today and tomorrow, you know, the most informed person that there is, it has to be consistent and over time, it gets adapted and changed based on your experiences, based on mm. your age, even the setting that you're part of. And I think that's something that it really has to be looked into to ensure that it's continuously going on, mm. it's sustainable. Mm. And at the same time, people are being like educated as yeah. much as possible. 
Thank you so much, Nisha and Kelly, for sharing with us all yeah, these was, yeah, stories really, and insights. Really insightful. It was a lot. Like, it was a lot in a good way, in a very good way. And I think to me, what really strikes me, especially from what you said, Kelly, was at the root of it all, empathy. Mm. Right? I think, especially men, right? I think that is something that we need to practice more than showing empathy is okay. You know, that that it's that it can be masculine. Yeah, yes. it can be masculine, exactly. Yeah. You know, that it's okay to be to show empathy, that it's completely masculine to say no to your buddies and not to cave into Yes, that's right. To whatever pressures, yeah. Yeah. Kelly, could mm. you share with us some of the support and services that AWARE provides just before we wrap up this episode? Mm. Yeah, so as mentioned, our sexual assault care centre is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can give us a call. The number is 67790282. You can also email sacc at aware.org.sg. We provide case management counselling, a free legal clinic where you can speak to our volunteer lawyers mm-hmm. about what your options might be legally. Cool. Um, also befriending if you need to go make a police report or go to the courts, for example, and you're kind of unsure what the process is going to be like. We have people who have done it many times who can mm-hmm. accompany you. Yeah, but beyond that, you know, in terms of our aware programming in the space of sexuality education, we do have a number of different things going on there as well. We have something called the Birds and Bees program. It's for parents. It's a workshop for parents specifically um, because we understand right when when we survey parents that many of them do not talk to their children about relationships about consent about sex right a lot of parents in Singapore I think kind of believe that this is kind of best left for schools to take Mm -hmm. care of it helps to kind of plan ahead you know it is not a conversation that you want to have all at once it's something that you kind of want to build on over the years in an age appropriate manner of course and consent is not something that only applies to sex Consent applies to all, you know, so many different situations in life. Why not teach kids about that from an early age? Mm. So we have the Birds and Bees uh, workshops. Please look them up on our website. Um, Mm. We also um, launched a website last year called Sex at Declassified. We just kind of compile a list of resources from Mm. all over the world. So if parents or kids are interested in just kind of finding out where they can go for like reliable information about sex, relationships, consent, sex at Declassified um, is a website that we put out. Then what about you, Nisha? Like what, what, what sort of other, you know, avenues where, you know, our listeners, you know, our audience can, can be more involved or be better educated? For Safe Anywhere, we are very, very focused on research, awareness building and outreach. So on our Instagram page, we very regularly update on things pertaining to sexual violence, sexuality, mm. supporting somebody, different types of sexual violence, the list goes on. We also have a Safe Space podcast where we talk about things such as intersectional violence, we talk about sexuality, we talk about sex in general. Mm. So that's something that we are also looking to relaunch as well. We also have our support line. So we actually have this um, support warm line. So this warm line is actually a Discord (laughs) server where our members actually run this server and you know you can decide to come on it anonymously because we also want to respect the anonymity of these victim survivors. So our trainers at least they go for trauma-informed training, mental health training and the sexual software responders training so that they're better equipped with it. But then again we do not provide any form of legal support, Mm. any form of psychological support. We do not have the capacity to do that but we always lend the listening ear and the support I do personally support victim survivors so you know feel free to just like reach out to me personally if you need to talk to someone because that's something I do almost every day and I would never not do it I would say okay cool are the services that you provide only for NUS students no so ah, we primarily okay. oh, that's a good one. Yeah. yeah so actually while well, we primarily say it is like for NUS students we actually mm. allow for anybody and everybody to access Great. these services yeah. because 
it's not fair for us to constrain services yeah. and be like, oh, only if you're anyways you're part of it. No, I yeah. don't think that's right. right. So cool. we open it up to everybody. Actually. And you do, I think, refer a lot of cases to us, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So in cases that we are not able to handle because we are, what we learn is just from our experiences and what yeah. we understand, we always refer them to SACC and say, maybe you should go and that's call great. them up. And that's I mean, great. that's called empowering the victim survivor yes. because when you give people options and autonomy over their experiences, mm-hmm. you let them take the choice and take the direction of the healing journey. Mm-hmm. But that mm-hmm. being said, the first step of the healing journey is always the most crucial. So you have to give them that empathy, mm-hmm. the resources, the autonomy, and you know, just say that I'm here for you, but at the same time, this is everything else that you can do yeah. as well. That's amazing. Thank you so much, guys. And also, right, for all our other audience who are on giving.sg, you know, you can always uh, look up for campaigns uh, that aware is on it. So either make contribution or learn more about it. And with that, we've come to the end of this episode of Unfiltered. Thank you, Nisha and Thank Kelly. Thank you so much, For guys. taking the time to chat with us today. It was really great having you. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. If our audience wants to learn more or get in touch with you, where can they find you? Um, you can follow us at Aware's different social media platforms. On Instagram, we are at Aware Singapore, and on Twitter, we are Aware News. Our website is aware.org.sg. And yeah, please do donate on giving.sg. Um, you know, we are one of the few organizations in Singapore tackling this incredibly urgent, important issue, and we really need all the financial support that we can get. For Safe NUS, you can check us out on Safe NUS on Instagram. You can go to our website at safenus.com. You can email us at safenusxco at gmail.com. Alternatively, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can always just drop me a DM on Instagram, which is nisharai underscore. My Twitter is also nisharai underscore. My <laughs> Facebook is also nisharai, whichever is something convenient mm-hmm. for you. And if you want to pay for my therapy, please feel free <laughs> to use my PayLa QR code. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Really, really thank you. But last but not least, uh, a big thank you to all of you for tuning in. And we hope that today's really, really wonderful conversation has helped you to understand what technology-facilitated sexual violence is and how we all can be better to eradicate it, right? And of course, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram at cityofgoodsg. And if you have enjoyed what you're listening to and you want to hear more, please help to spread the word and grow the show by subscribing on Millicent or Apple Podcasts or by following us on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. Once again, we've been your hosts, Grace and Madeira from MVPC. Hoping to see you again on the next episode of Unfiltered! Unfiltered. Bye! Bye. Bye.